Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Well, family, as I said a couple weeks ago in our Advent series, this these last couple of years have been very hard to say the least. I mean, it's it's been a tough couple of years in the midst of this pandemic, and and one of the toughest things have been the different different waves waves of reason uh, that have been thrown at us, whether that be through news outlets or social media. There's been so much that's been thrown at us that we're taking in, and uh, whether we should believe this thing or this idea or what this person says or what that person says. And to be honest, if we're really honest, social media and the news and all of these things coming our way has, for those of us that believe, has really rocked our belief. It's, it's, it's caused some unsettledness and anxiety within us. Um, many of us are deconstructing our faith and trying to figure out what we really do believe. And is this true? And, and some of us are saying, well, I can accept this. And uh, even though the Bible may say this and or or I don't know if I really believe this anymore. So so what I want to do is we walk through this passage of Scripture today with Jesus and Nicodemus. My desire is for us to really grow in what we believe or start believing versus what we think is right. In essence, I want you to start this new year off. I want us to start this new year off with a solid belief versus one that can be rocked by something someone says or does. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Faith and reason, they're not necessarily at odds with one another, as maybe many of us may believe or the world may tell us, because many times if we're really honest, what happens in, in culture is that it's always pit against one another. Faith, faith versus reason or or people say, well, you can't really be a truly faithful person if you're trying to reason everything. Or we say things like, well, it's OK uh, to seek understanding and reason. But I mean, that's only going to take you so far. And, and then you got to take a leap of faith and believe. Or if for some reason we get to a place where we really can't understand the faith or the Christian faith, then, then now the Christian faith has to not be true because it really doesn't make sense to me. You ever been there before? Maybe some of you are in that season right now where you're, you're having these questions that are rising up within you, causing anxiety, all these things within your own heart and spirit. Mark Twain, he wants to find faith as, listen to this, believing what you know ain't so. <laughs> and, and honestly, some people believe this. And yes, hear me, there are things in the Christian faith that are hard to make sense of or hard uh, to reason with, but that doesn't necessarily negate its truth or validity just because we cannot reason with our finite minds. Follow me. We can make faith and reason seem like they're totally opposed to one another when that couldn't be further from the truth. So today in our passage, we're going to see 
an interaction between Jesus and Nicodemus or y'all I like to call my man Nick at night. Y'all remember Nick at night, you know, Nick at night, Nick at night, the show. Some of y'all too young to understand. And but Nick at night, I used to love watching Nick at night, but I call him Nick at night because simply he comes to Jesus in the middle of the night. Nicodemus is a Pharisee where he comes to him and he's coming to Jesus and he's trying to understand or reason with Jesus on how Jesus does the things that he does. So, friends, there's two things that I want to cover today and I'm going to let you get on with your new year. But this morning in the text, I want us to see, number one, Jesus welcomes the reasoning mind. And number two, faith presupposes Reason. That means it comes before. So Jesus welcomes the reasoning mind. And number two, uh, faith presupposes reason. The text begins with introducing us to who Nicodemus here is in John chapter three. And again, I said as a, at the beginning, he, he's a Pharisee or in other words, he's a ruler of the Jews. As the text says, he was a member of the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish governing body. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night for a couple different reasons. Uh, Number one, he simply just doesn't want people uh, to see him at night coming to Jesus. Uh, Again, he's a Pharisee and the Pharisees will be the one that would eventually kill Jesus. They hate on Jesus and Nicodemus is a part of this crew, but he's starting to feel a little different than these guys. And, And what I mean is that Throughout Nicodemus, or through Nicodemus, seeing what Jesus has done, as you read through the Gospels, you kind of put your lenses on and kind of read through the white spaces in the Gospel. You, Nicodemus is part of this Pharisee group, and he's he's seeing Jesus do the things that he's doing, and he's starting to reason a bit, and he's wondering how in the world are you doing the things that you're doing, Jesus, like healing a blind man or healing a sick person or a chapter earlier, turning water to wine. He starts to ask, who is this Jesus? But he isn't hear me questioning uh, who is this Jesus in the way that he's challenging Jesus's personhood. He genuinely wants to know who Jesus actually is, which lends to the second reason he's coming to Jesus. He really just wants to know Jesus. Notice his words in the text. He comes to Jesus and he says, Rabbi, Rabbi, which is a reverent word or a respectful title for teacher. He says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do the things that you do unless they're from God, for you got to be from God. See, and, and see, unlike, as I just alluded to, unlike the other Pharisees, Nicodemus, while he's still questioning who Jesus is, he does it in a way where he recognizes Jesus as being from God. Now, don't get too far ahead of yourself. This does not mean that Nicodemus believes in Jesus as his Lord and Savior. That's not what I'm saying. But he's gathered that through watching Jesus, his works can only come from one place. It's got to be from God. Y'all, it's conflicting to him. It's throwing his whole sense of reasoning off. It's kind of like when LeBron went to the NBA finals. I know y'all hate haters on LeBron here up in the church, but I'm going to talk about Bron. Bron Bron went to the NBA championships and y'all remember the championship with the Cavaliers. Y'all remember this? He was down 3-1 and everybody was saying, ain't no way that he can win. Nobody's come back from 3-1. He can't win it. This is impossible. Nobody can do it. And everybody loses. 
loses. And, and LeBron, of course, he's going to lose. He always goes to the championship and he always loses. He's a, he's a master of losing. He makes it there and he, he loses. He's lost more than he's won. All of this stuff about him. And he's a great player, but he can't win. Choke artists. You know, history tells us this. So what's really happening right now is that reason starts to make you believe that he's against all odds. The Cavs cannot win. And then the Cavs won. And everyone was like, I can't believe it. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that the Cavs won. He's the greatest ever. But follow me. See what happened is that reason told you that they would lose. But after they won the first game, starting to mess with you a bit, you're like, ah, you know, maybe I was wrong. Maybe, maybe, maybe he can win. Maybe they can win this championship. And then your reason starts to change because you're starting to see something different. And we still have people today talking about, I can't believe they won that game. That was amazing. I can't believe they won that championship. That was amazing because it simply messed up their reasoning. It's the same thing that's happening with Nicodemus here in this text. He's experiencing this. He's, he's hanging with those guys who hate Jesus again, and, and they don't believe in him. They're eventually going to crucify him. They don't believe he could be the Messiah because he came as a baby instead of a king. He has no home on earth instead of a kingdom. Their reason tells them Jesus has to be a fraud, not a Messiah, not a savior. And Nicodemus falls into the same camp. But as he's been watching Jesus, it has caused him to start to reason and start to think even more and say, maybe I was wrong about this, Jesus. And what he's doing, he has to be from God. Now, this is what I want you to pay attention to. Watch how Jesus responds to Nicodemus if we, as we look back at the text. Uh, Jesus knows he's a Pharisee. But he doesn't shun him and he doesn't not respond. Uh, Jesus recognizes that Nicodemus genuinely wants to learn. And so what does he do? He meets him right where he's at in the midst or the middle of his reasoning. I love it. He doesn't necessarily save him, but he starts to have a conversation with him. This is key. And I need you all to hear me. Because many times we think as Christians, we need to be able to explain everything or reason someone to the faith. Many of us are struggling right there. And, and see, one thing you'll notice in the passage is that you never see whether or not Nicodemus truly believes. And see, there is something to that. Jesus explains and takes a lot of time with Nicodemus and even gives him one of the most quoted verses in all of the Bible. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever shall believe shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's right after these first 15 verses in the context. It's in the immediate context. But you don't see, don't miss it. Jesus trying to force him to believe or get down on himself or Nicodemus or getting down on Nicodemus for him not believing. You don't see that anywhere in the text. Hear me, friends. This is what I'm getting at. Jesus doesn't call us to save people. You sit there. No, but, but 
But he does call Christians to reason with other people, have conversations. God is the only one that can save. We're called as Christians to be witnesses. But what we see here in the text, in the midst of that, although we're not called to save, what we do see for us is that Jesus makes a safe place for Nicodemus to ask questions. Thus, bringing us to that first point, Jesus welcomes the reasoning mind. He welcomes the reasoning mind and he meets you right where you're at. Many of us are there right now reasoning. We're all over the place. Jesus can meet you right there in the midst of that. Watch this as we get into this. Now, 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 now hear me before I jump into this even more. Now, mind you, there, there's a difference between uh, reasoning to understand and reasoning to challenge. I got I to touch on that a bit. We all know people that have been at a place in, a, in their lives or we've been there where we ask someone a question and we really don't want to know the answer. We're really asking them the question to, to challenge them. It, it's really annoying. I'm going to be honest. See, see, what happens when we get to this place or other people are at this place, we're unable to, to put our presuppositions to the side and instead of genuinely reasoning or inquiring of truth, like a Nicodemus right here in the midst of this passage, we are being like the Pharisees where we think we know better or we think we're actually better. Hey, yeah, it's frustrating. I don't know if you've ever been there, but when somebody, I'm asking someone, somebody's asking me a question, I'm like, man, do, do, you, do, you, do you really, do, do you really want to know? Or are you just challenging me? And see, here's the thing. Even with that, the thing I love about Jesus is that Jesus still reasons with the people that are trying to challenge him. I mean, you see that with the Pharisees. They're all, they ain't trying to really get to know Jesus. They're challenging him. And he still reasons with them. He still spends time with them. He still has conversations with them. He still meets them right where they are. See, Jesus welcomes the reasoning mind, and he's very patient with us. At the text, look at the text. He, he starts out and he says, you must be born again. And my man, Nick, at, at night, he, he is, is like, well, how in the world, Jesus, am I going to be born again? I mean, how does that happen? Do I have to go back into my mother's womb now? Now, when you read this, if you don't pay attention to how he's saying it and what's really going on, you could really think, man, Nicodemus must be making fun of Jesus. Like, how in the world can I go back into my mother's womb? But but really, Nicodemus is literally saying Jesus, I don't understand. That makes no sense. How can I be born again? He's using his reason and with his finite mind saying be born again does not make sense. Now follow me and watch, watch how Jesus responds. He says, truly, truly, which was not a phrase that was used by common people, but this was used by uh, priest only because it was a phrase that meant whatever was proceeding or what, what, what was what was to follow. On the other hand, it would truly mean it was from God. So whatever he's about to say, it, it's from God. So Nicodemus would have known this being a Pharisee. So when he hears truly, truly, his antennas are up. It's like, OK, what, what you about to say, Jesus? Where are you going with this? And Jesus says, in order for a man to be born again, he must be born of water and of the spirit. Now, follow me. I promise I'm coming to your neighborhood with all of this. He's using an Old Testament reference from Ezekiel 36 verses 25 to 27, where water symbolizes the cleansing of, of unrighteousness and it makes you clean. And then the spirit 
on the other hand, it, it makes you a new creation. So cleansing from unrighteousness and new creation. He's saying the only way you'll be born again is if you're cleansed and become a new creation. But notice how Jesus, again, right here is meeting Nicodemus right where he's at with reason using an Old Testament example of scripture where the Pharisee in Nicodemus who studied the Old Testament would have known this scripture. Again, Jesus is meeting him right where he is. Isn't this good? See, friends, I don't want you to miss this. Jesus is reasoning with Nicodemus right in the midst of his wonder. He's not trying to get Nicodemus to understand the way, G, the way he wants him to. He's actually trying to break these things down so Nicodemus can understand. Family, hear me. This is, if I, if I come into our neighborhoods a little bit with this one, this is where I believe the church gets it wrong. This is where I believe year after year, century after century, the Sunday morning, we, we've got this wrong. The Sunday morning fellowship and the, the church house, it has to be a place where reason is welcomed. But what has happened is that reason has not been welcomed. If someone asks a question that seems a little out of bounds or we don't understand or we don't know how to answer, we either shun them or make them feel unwelcome, or we don't answer them at all. And if we look at Jesus's ministry, specifically the passage we're in right now, he does the direct opposite. Friends, hear me. The church should be a place where we can safely deconstruct some of the mess in the big C church, whether that be racism or politics and corruption, et cetera. And throughout these last couple of years, if we have not been questioning some of the things that happened in Christianity or throughout history, or even in just the last couple of years by people who claim to be Christians, then something's wrong with us. We need to be questioning these things. And it should in turn force us to dive deeper into the scriptures and see what Jesus really says about our faith. So deconstruction is good. Looking at your faith is good, but make sure you do it in the proper context with help around you. The church should be a place where reason is welcomed. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, uh, be ready to preach the word in and out of season, which means that the Christian should be ready to engage people right where they are with truth, no matter the time or day. But the problem is most of the time we feel inadequate or uh, we, we tried it before and we're like, man, nobody's going to listen to me because I don't know the right answer. I, I, I don't know what to say. So why would I even try? And here's the thing. I need you all to notice about 2 Timothy 4, 2. It does not say that you need to be adequately versed in the Bible and know everything about it and be ready to share, nor does it say go share and save someone. No, no, it just says be ready in and out of season, which means even when you're not prepared, be ready to share about Jesus. Say something. I know, I know you're like, well, Pastor D, I, 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 I think I'm following you here. But what do I share if I don't know the word? How, how do I share? Well, hear me. 
If you're saved, Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You do have a testimony and, and you can tell somebody what Jesus has saved you from, what he's done in your life. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's more than adequate. Just just share what Jesus has done in your life and and then continue to study the word so that you become more prepared. Well, well, well Pastor, D, I, I don't know if that's enough because I, I feel like I got to have an answer for somebody when they come to me. Well, listen, when you don't know the answer and somebody asks you something about the faith or, or or so on and therefore, the best answer you can give people. Listen, um, it's remarkable. It's an amazing answer. It's, it's I don't know. The worst thing you can do is make up an answer. So if someone asks you something you don't know in that moment, just say, I don't know. I'll get back to you. Let me ask my pastor. Let me ask my group leader. Let me ask someone else. And I promise I will get back to you. And that the worst thing you could do is try to make up something in that moment. When you look at this text and you keep reading. Jesus isn't making up anything. He's ready but then again, he, he doesn't save Nicodemus in this passage. Y'all, he just shares with him. He answers his questions to the best of his ability. In fact, Jesus knows that Nicodemus probably won't understand what he's saying, because in verse seven through eight, he says the wind blows where it wants to. And you may hear it, but not know where it came from, nor where it's going. Then he says, so it is with the spirit. Jesus basically says to Nicodemus, there's some things you just won't understand, Nick, unless you believe. In other words, Jesus lets us know that everyone we share with or reason with won't understand some things until they believe. Which means. Again, we should never play savior. That's not up to us. But instead, we're to remain faithful and share the word of God, share our lives and leave the results up to God. The second thing I want you to notice in this text is that Jesus not only meets Nicodemus right where he's at with reasoning, but he's extremely patient with him. I mean, you keep on reading and my man Nicodemus proceeds to ask questions over and over again. Jesus, how can this be? How can this be? How can this be? And then Jesus eventually proceeds to answer. and He says, man. Bro, you, you're a teacher of the law, Nicodemus, and you should understand all of this. I mean, you, and you may think Jesus is getting upset in this point, moment, but he's really not. I mean, he, he's really just saying, look, Nick, Nick I, I ain't said nothing new to you. I, I just quoted a passage from Ezekiel 36, which I, I know you know. Basically, Jesus, Jesus is saying, I just reasoned with you, Nicodemus, and you still don't believe. Jesus then says, I just speak on what I know and what I've seen and things, you know, that's what I spoke on and things that you've seen. But you, you just don't understand. He he says, if, if I told you earthly things, Nicodemus, and you don't understand, how in the world can I tell you heavenly things? And then you all of a sudden understand. See, and right here, you you can sense the tension in the passage, if you want to say, with 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 Jesus and and Nicodemus and 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 Jesus, period. Jesus really wants Nicodemus to understand. And he's trying to reason with him. He's trying to get through his mind. But Nicodemus still doesn't get it. I mean, here's Nicodemus coming to Jesus like, man, I see you do some things, Jesus, and I, I've never seen these things before. And, 
and, and, and, and it has to be from God. So I, I got to know how, how, how do you do it and, 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 and how, how have you done the things you do? I mean, he, he's really seeking and wants to know Jesus. And Jesus in this moment is very patient with Nicodemus and he meets him right where he's at. I mean, he even goes to the length of saying, OK, Nicodemus, you don't get this. Let me give you one more. Just like Moses in the middle of the desert lifted up the serpent in the wilderness uh, so the people could be saved. So does the son of man have to be lifted up and crucified. He's talking about himself. And if one believes on him, then they will get eternal life. Again, Nicodemus, hear me. By this illustration, he would have understood what Jesus is saying, because, again, he's using an Old Testament example where the Israelites were in the middle of the wilderness. And while they were there, they were being bit by poisonous snakes. And in order to survive, God told Moses, he said, take your staff, put this bronze serpent around that thing. They had to believe on the very thing that was biting them. If they looked at this serpent that was wrapped around this staff, then they would be saved. Fun fact with that, every time you see a staff with a serpent wrapped around it on the back of an ambulance or hospital, that, that comes from that passage. That's from the Bible and the Old Testament scripture. That is biblical, a sign of salvation. Jesus, back to the passage, meets Nicodemus right where he's at, and he, he's patient with him. And family, here's the point in all of what I'm trying to get at. Again, it's that God welcomes the reasoning mind, which means, contrary to some people's belief, you don't have to be a robot to be a Christian. God made you with an intellect. He made you to be able to think and create because that's how God is. He's, he's creative. Look around you. Look at all that he's created. Look at how your body is made and all, all the things inside of you work together. It's kind of crazy when you think about DNA strands and blood and the right amount of blood flow and water within your system and all the bones and how you grow from a baby to a grown man or a grown woman. God made you with the brain and the intellect and all that you have. It's OK to reason. But see, here's what we miss in all of that. And this is what Jesus is trying to tell Nicodemus. Nick, it, it's OK to reason. But we must first believe in God. Then hear me, our reason is rightly directed. What am I saying with this? It's OK to reason, but reason has to be rooted in a firm foundation or else it becomes illogical, thus saying your reasoning with your own mind does not make sense because my reasoning, on the other hand, may be different than your reasoning. But when you put your faith in God, who has stood the test of time, hear me. And he's been the same God since the beginning of time who hung the stars in the sky, knows each of them by name. He's numbered the hair on your head. That same God we talk about every Easter got up from the grave, Jesus, with all power in his hands. And he was seen by more than 500 people, means that it was dis documented that our reason, hear me, becomes rooted in something firm because it can and has been proven, which means it's indeed logical. Basically, I'm saying faith presupposes or comes before reason. See, Jesus welcomes the reasoning mind 
But your reasoning will never make sense or be firmly rooted without believing first. And don't believe me. Look at this. Look at it. When we read this exchange, the end of the exchange, exchange with Nicodemus, uh, Jesus says, look, I've told you everything in a way that you can understand. But unless you believe in me, it will not make sense. Thus saying, Nicodemus, listen, listen to me. You came to me because you wanted to know me. You came to me because you wanted to know how I do the things I do. But unless you believe in me, Nick, you will still have questions and your reasoning will never be satisfied. He's saying reasoning will only make sense when you believe first because I am the root of your reason. <laughs> Man, y'all not hear me with this thing. He said, I made you with reason. You're my creation. You're my child. Believe, believe my son. This is why Jesus says the son of man must be lifted up. And if you believe in him, you will have eternal life. And John 3:16 says the same thing right after this passage. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, son so that whoever believes shall not perish, but have eternal life. He's trying to tell Nicodemus, you must believe in order for your reasoning to make sense. And see, here's what we cannot miss. As I said before, Jesus reasons with Nick. He's patient with him. He shares truth. But nowhere in this passage right here in John chapter three, do we see that Nicodemus comes to faith. But if you keep reading later on in John uh, chapter 19, verse 39 through 40, I love it. It's not the disciples who are carrying uh, Jesus's dead body, his battered and bruised body, and then bounding it up or, 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 heal, or putting bandages on his wounds. No, 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 no. It's Nicodemus who's carrying the body and preparing Jesus for burial, which lets us know two things. Number one, there is, again, space for the reasoning mind to come to Jesus. And number two, hear me, although it may not happen immediately, Jesus can save the person with the reasoning mind. And here's what we need to take home from this passage. If you're reasoning and seeking after Jesus, keep doing so. Keep doing so. Keep genuinely asking questions. It's a good thing. Jesus says in Matthew 6, seek the kingdom of God first and all these things will be added to you. And in Matthew 7, he says, seek and you shall find. Friends, hear me. There's space for your questions. I need you to know that as we enter this year. You're not alone. There's space for your questions and Jesus will meet you right where you are. Hear me. Renewal. Renewal Church of Chicago is a safe place for you to have questions. And that's for the non-believer and the believer alike. Y'all, I told you this year has been crazy. These last couple of years, there's so much that's gone on that's challenged your faith like never before. And many of us do have questions and you need to be able to bring those questions to the church house, asking your group leader, asking me or asking the other pastors and elders at this church. This is a safe place for us to dialogue and deconstruct and think about these things so we can be built up strong in the faith and prepared in and out of season. Number two, for the believer or the person that doesn't, or the other side, the person that, that doesn't struggle, the believer that doesn't struggle 
with reason or has questions about their faith. One, I, 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 I'd say I don't know if that's true of anybody, but if that is you and you're saying I'm not struggling here, then I would challenge you and ask you this question. Well, how's your witness look? I mean, if you're, you're in a place of comfortable, uh, you're comfort, comfortable in your faith and you know Jesus, then, then do you have space for the person in your life that has questions? Do you welcome them? Are you ready in and out of season to preach the gospel? You, you know, Jesus in the text didn't necessarily save Nicodemus, but he did plant a seed. He planted a seed which was probably continually watered throughout the couple of years left in Jesus's ministry. Don't miss this. He planted a seed. And I, I could picture it where where Nicodemus is. He's going about his day to day life and he's walking to the marketplace and he just overhears a conversation uh, about somebody talking about Jesus feeding 5,000. Nicodemus is like, hmm, you know what's happening? That seed is being watered a bit more. I, I-, I could just picture Jesus going to his everyday or or his his natural or normal a Sanhedrin meeting where he's sitting in there with the midst of the in the midst of the Pharisees where they're hating on Jesus and every topic is about Jesus doing this and that. And who does he think he is? You know what's happening in the midst of all that? Nicodemus's seed that Jesus planted is being watered. I, I could just picture it towards the end of his life where 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 Jesus is about to be crucified and all these people are wailing and wondering could this be the son of God well he healed me and he's coming in contact with this disciple and this person who can walk again because of Jesus and he's like man there must be something about this Jesus you know what's happening that seed that Jesus planted long ago is being watered then by the time Jesus is crucified. Later, Nicodemus comes and he faithfully lays Jesus' body to rest. You, you see, by the time, by this time, some years later, Nicodemus, his reason now has turned to faith. And it finally made sense. And no longer was he coming to Jesus shamefully in the dark. No, he's out and open like, no, I believe I'm going to take his body and I'm going to lay him in the grave. Y'all, with this, he disagreed with all the other Pharisees. He put his status and who he was in society at risk. Nope, I believe I'm going to do this regardless of what y'all say, even though y'all killed him. See, hear me, family. Jesus welcomes the reasoning mind and he also can save the reasoning person. means your questions are welcome. Let me end with this. We have to place our faith in something bigger than our own reasoning. And instead, place it in someone who has been proven historically and logically. Then your reasoning starts to make sense. Because hear me, I disagree with Mark Twain's statement where he says faith is, is believing in something that ain't so. Because as I said earlier, Jesus got up from that grave, which proved that he was God because God is the only one that can defeat sin and death. He, he was seen by many and many went to their graves for something they knew or someone they knew was true, which hear me means the Christian definition of faith includes reason. And instead of the de- definition of being, being, being believing in something that you know ain't so, I, I like to say it's believing in something you know is so. 
That's faith. See, Jesus makes room for the reasoning person. But we have to believe for our reason to be truly satisfied. Believe, family. Believe, family. Let's start this year off believing together. Lord, help our unbelief. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. You are truly good. Father, I do ask even now that you meet, meet us in our living rooms, wherever we are right now. And let us start this year off saying, I'm going to chase after Jesus. I'm going to chase after God. I'm going to read my Bible daily. I'm going to be in my group. I'm going to be at church faithfully. I'm going to give. I'm going to serve. I just want more of you, God. And I pray that the lens that we look through on a day to day basis will be one that's Jesus centered and Christ focused versus everything else that's so loud in our lives in the midst of this pandemic. God, let us turn down the noise and, and turn up the volume as we focus on you. And let us know that we can't do this alone. We weren't made to be isolated. So, Lord, I pray that Renewal Church will be a safe place where we can ask questions. We can come and fellowship. We can worship you. And for the one that's, that's struggling with just believing initially, God, as you met Nicodemus, Lord, I pray that they would give their lives to you now and say, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm done doing it my own way. And they would give their life to you right here online. And if they're not ready and they listen to this message, God, I know and I pray that the seed was planted. And my prayer is you'll continue to water it and they'll continue to seek after you. Father, get glory in each of our lives. May you do your will now and forevermore. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all said together. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.